You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. So there's, uh, there was this uh, border patrol officer. Do you guys know what I mean? So like along... Uh, the border between U.S. and Canada and uh, U.S. and Mexico, there's, like, gates in most of the places, and you have to, like, travel through them. If you've never done this, uh, it's quite an ordeal, right? <clears throat> and so you're trying to make sure that everybody passing through to either country is on the up and up. Well, there was this uh, guard at the Border Patrol, saw this, this man pulling up in a truck, and everything within the guard and all his training and all that, he just knew that guy was up to no good. He was smuggling something. He was doing something he wasn't supposed to. So he calls him out. And, and when you get called out, when you're driving through, they have you, like, pull your vehicle over to the side, and they, like, search everything, and sometimes you, right? Um, and anyway, and so he does that to this guy. doesn't find anything. A week later, guy comes through again. He gets the same weird feeling. Pulls him over, searches everything. And over, over several years, this man comes through, and every time the guard searches this guy, does every kind of search that he's allowed to do uh, to this guy in his vehicle and never finds anything. And so on this um, guard's last day, he's retiring. Sure enough, this, this man comes through in his truck, and, and he, just, he walks over to the guy. He says, look, I know you're a smuggler. I, I'm not going to cause any trouble with you. I'm retiring. I'm done. I just have to know, what, what are you smuggling? And the guy looks back at him and says, trucks. <laughs> Sometimes it's the most obvious thing right in front of us that we're just not paying attention to. I do that all the time. I won't let my wife testify to the amount of times that she sends me to go look for something, and then she has to go find it, and it's like in plain sight, right? Because it's never where I, like, I think it should be. And so I'm only looking where I think it should be, not where anywhere else it could be. And so she just walks in and goes, it's right here. And I'm like, shut up. All right. uh, we just miss things that are right in front of us. Like we miss the main point a lot. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight, too. Turn to the Gospel of John. So we're con- still continuing uh, our series, Living in the Upside Down, and this, this life that Jesus calls us to that looks different, kind of looks upside down. Uh, to the world, but we're going to take a break from the Sermon on the Mount and jump to one of Jesus' other teachings that will lead us to uh, a passage in Corinthians written by Paul. Well, we're looking here first at John, uh, chapter 13, the Gospel of John, not first, second, or third John, but the Gospel of John, the bigger of the books. Chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 34. The few verses before that, Jesus is talking about him being glorified, the Son of Man being glorified. That's one of the titles that that Jesus often referred to himself as, and, and he's, he's talking about him being glorified, and specifically this is sort of an allusion, a reference to when he was going to die on the cross, when he was going to be glorified by being crushed. This kind of like weird idea of death leading to glory uh, that Jesus had been telling the disciples about, and anyone who would listen, a lot. But then he goes here in verse 34, and he says this, A new commandment I give to you, That you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me read that again. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples 
if you have love for one another. I think love is one of those things that's hiding in plain sight that we just miss, myself included, over and over and over again. I think mostly because we have a misconception of what love is. And this isn't saying like, oh, you're a terrible person, you don't know what love is or whatever. Um, and when, I re- when I'm referring to love here, I'm not just talking about like ro- romantic, like dating kind of love. Uh, most of you probably aren't really dating, or if you are, it's not really like dating, uh, because if your mom takes you somewhere, you're not on a date. Um, sorry, it's a thing. Um, they're all like, well, dang it. Um, anyway, um, so beyond ro- romantic love, friendship love, neighborly love, all the, all the classifications of love, English language on many levels does a disservice uh, to the meaning of words, because we use we use the same word, like I would say the same word, I love tacos. It's the same word when I say, I love my wife. Now, I love the mess out of tacos, but I don't love tacos as much as I love my wife, thankfully, right? And so the Greek language was, was better at this, the language that the New Testament was written in. Um, now, I mean, the word love is accurate. The problem is we only have one word for love. So the Greek language had several different words for love, and they were they would give you the categories. So there was like phileo love, which was like brotherly, like friendship type love, and then there was agape love, and this was usually talked about in terms of God, and it was this like uh, immense, like nothing is bigger than this love. And seeing that, all the categories of love that Jesus talks about really hold a similar weight to even the agape love. Because Jesus didn't use in the Greek language when he said this here, that they'll know you by your love. He did, he's not like specifying this. He's just saying the love that you have for one another, this, this grand, extravagant love that you have for one another. So we talked about, if you weren't here a few weeks ago, at some point in the last couple weeks, uh, about not repaying evil with evil, right? Not retaliating. And we talked about what that meant and that you, you love even your enemy so much. You show love to them so much instead of the evil or repaying them with what you think they owe that you're really showing them the love of God. Because in the end, how did Jesus love us? Because he says in 34, new command I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Well, how was it that Jesus showed love to us? He gave his life, even though we didn't deserve anything from Jesus except to be sent to eternal damnation in hell because of the sins, big, small, whatever, the sins that we've committed from birth. If we got what was fair, if we got what was right, would lead to that. But Jesus didn't say, well, eye for an eye, you get what you deserve, right? He didn't say that at all. No, he showed his love by caring and healing and forgiving and ultimately dying so that we could be brought into relationship with God. We could be forgiven of our sins, our slate wiped clean and brought into relationship with God. Well, okay, Jesus, I'm going to try and love the way you love, except I'm not God, so I can't die for anyone's sins. Uh, so what, what does that mean? Well, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. My table is so bouncy tonight. 
the floor that caused it to do that. I'm going to sit here for like 10 minutes trying to figure this thing out. Anyway, um, 1 Corinthians 13, if you've ever been to a wedding ever, you've probably heard part or most of this chapter. But I think because a lot of us have heard it so often that we sort of let the noise of the passage being read so often fall on deaf ears, that we, don't, that we kind of forget the weight of what Paul says here. Because what we're missing in plain sight in this passage is exactly what love, romantic or friendship or neighborly, in all, any way you relate to anyone, the love that we should have for humanity, we, it's described right here. It's described right here. So let's, let's begin. I'll just, I'll just read through it, and then we'll walk our way back through it. So verse 1 of chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to uh, remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, to be martyred, but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And he goes on and and talks about some other little elements of this, but we're going to stop there. So in this brilliant sort of compare and contrast way, Paul gives us some of the keys of love that are laying right in front of our faces, but we don't see them. And most of the time, the reason we don't see it is because we're looking at ourselves instead of what we should be looking at, which is those around us. That's not a jab at you. That's a, that's a jab at myself. <laughs> because so many days, I'm just thinking about myself and how I feel and, and how I feel bad or how I want this or that or whatever, and I'm not paying attention to those around me. Because if you look back at this, Paul starts... Uh, verses 1 through 3 <clears throat> with these this incredible way of, of talking about love. He says, basically, words without love are just noise. Just noise. And there's so much noise in our world. And you know what it's like whenever we're in here sometimes, like during a small group, uh, it's real hard to hear your group because there's just like so many people talking. There's just so much noise that you can't clearly understand what's going on. And that's what, that's what Paul's talking about. If you're just saying words, if they don't really have love, there's not love in your heart in those words, even in the, the seemingly insignificant words. If they're not dripping with love, then it's just noise. You're just adding to all the noise. It means nothing. It doesn't bring clarity. It's just noise. And he goes on and he says, religion, faith, Knowledge, you can have all the knowledge in the world. 
But if you, if you don't have love, then, then you have nothing. You have absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter the things that you have. If you don't have love, you've missed it. And then the last one, he says, uh, if, you, if you're not generous, I mean, he says, even if you're generous, if you give everything you have, even your own life away, but you don't love, then you've, then you've gained nothing. And what is it we, we hear from Jesus? He says, if you want to follow me, he's talking to the rich young ruler. This was not like a declaration to all of mankind. But he says, he says if you're going to follow me, you've got to give up everything. Follow me. So how does that compare with what Paul just said? He says, even if you give everything away, but you don't have love, then you've gained nothing. Well, Jesus doesn't directly say it, but what Jesus is saying to the rich young ruler is, hey, you're more focused on your things than you are on me and loving the people around you. And so until you give all that up and you let that get out of the way and really show love, you can't really follow me. And Paul says the same thing, that stuff, generosity, all of these actions and words mean nothing, give you nothing if you don't have love. If you don't, if you don't have love, and again, this is not like if you if you don't have romantic love or, or any of that kind of thing. This is a, a love for all mankind, both romantic and friendship. All of those kinds of things, all love included here. If it's if 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 that's not in the words you say, the actions you do, the things you give away, then they're all pointless without love. You see, Paul goes on here. He kind of gives a personification of love to show us more of what he's talking about here. Because now he's saying, okay, so it's not things. Love is not these things here. It's not about knowledge. It's not about this stuff. It's not about generosity. So then what is it, what is it about, Paul? So let's walk through what he says here in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Think about your day-to-day. How patient and kind to those around you were you? Don't answer out loud, because I'm not going <laughs> to. How patient and kind were you today to those around you? Love does not envy or boast. So he sort of gives this, love is patient and kind. Love does not, it is not, does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Man, the arrogance that fills our life, right, of the things that we have, of the knowledge that we've gained, of the position that you are in whatever, maybe band or sports or whatever it is, whatever you've built up arrogance about yourself or the things, the abilities that you have. You see, love, real love, doesn't put any weight in that, in that stuff, doesn't lift up yourself. That's what Paul's saying. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. Now, Paul, you're just meddling now. Come on, man. Irritable or resentful. I love it whenever all I have to do is read the scripture and it kind of just describes itself. Makes my job a lot easier. See, Paul's being very clear here. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. How many times have you seen somebody get what they deserve and you're happy about it, right? Because at our core... We just love it when somebody gets what they deserve or what we think they deserve, right? See, what 
Paul says here, love doesn't, doesn't do that. Love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Rejoices in truth. God's word is what he's referencing here. Love rejoices in the truth. Seven. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So what, what's Paul saying here? This personification of love. He walks through this. I think the key is in verse 5. He says, or rude, and then he says, it does not insist on its own way. You see, whenever you really get to understand love, you understand that it's about you moving out of the way, you lowering yourself, humbling yourself before everything, all humans. Because how did... God doesn't pick and choose who he loves. God loves all of mankind, seeks to save and to love and be in relationship with all mankind. And we're called by Jesus back in John. We just read it. We're called to love the way that he loved, which means that we love everyone. We don't get to choose to just love the people that are nice to us or love the people who have the characteristics uh, that we like or people that are funny. We don't get to choose that kind of stuff, or at least we shouldn't choose that kind of thing. But how often is that the case? Like, oh, I don't really like that person because they get on my nerves or they're kind of weird, right? I was always that kid that was the weird kid, um, right? But G- Jesus never did that. Paul never did that as they were going about the way. And they were like, oh, you need healing, so let me, let me share the gospel and heal you. But you look weird, so I'm not going to say or do anything to you and move on. Like, that's, not how, that's not how Jesus worked. Oh, you said something rude to me. Forget you, man. I'm not going to forgive you of your sins. That's not, that's not at all what Jesus said or ever would say. We're called to love the way that Jesus loved, which is to remove ourselves from the equation. Forget about our needs, our desires, our wants, and put others before ourselves. And here's where it gets to the real crux of it all in verse 8. Love never ends. To put another word on it, commitment. Commitment is what love is. Love is not emotions. God gave us emotions to be able to relate with him and with each other. But love is not just a feeling. Love is not gifts. Love is not words. Love is not any of that. Love is being committed even when the words hurt. Love is being committed when things are bad, when you're not being given the gifts that you want, whenever somebody's not really being nice to you. You see, that's the love that Jesus is calling us to, this extravagant love that the world doesn't understand or doesn't get, and that's why we look different than the world. You see, because even people who don't believe in Jesus are generous. (laughs) Statistically, some of the most generous people in the world actually don't believe in Jesus at all. So it's not about generosity, it's not about kindness, it's not about any of that. It's about this commitment, this commitment to love someone and to care for someone, even whenever they don't deserve 
for you to love them or care for them. How can you, how can you do that? Well, you do that by seeing them the way God sees them. As his creation that is separated from him that needs to be brought back in relationship with him because of our sin, because of Adam and Eve's sin that has now corrupted all of mankind. When we're born, we're born into sin and we're born separated from God. And so to see the world, to see all humans in this way brings a different level of commitment and care to them. If you're you're truly loving the way we're called to love. See, whenever we're loving the way that, that we're called to love, we no longer have enemies. We no longer have people that weird us out. We're not, I'm not saying we're perfect at that. I'm not perfect at that. But this is what we're striving toward. This is, this is what we're striving toward, what Paul says here in Corinthians. You see, one, one test of this, since this is a personification of love, I'm not the person to do this, so don't, don't think, oh, you're doing anything. Um, if you put your name in the passage, is it true? Let me give you an example. Verse 4. JJ was patient and kind. I don't know if that was true today. JJ does not envy or boast. He's not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. He's not irritable or resentful. I know that wasn't true today. JJ doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Insert your name. Is that true of you? So that's this is the mark of if we're if we're living the life that Jesus calls. And I know I'm being like, like really serious right now, but this is not like doom and gloom, okay? Like this is an exciting thing. You have the key right here, the thing that's been in plain sight the whole time, the truck that the guy's been smuggling across the whole time and you thought it was something else. Like this is it. Take this passage, memorize this passage if you haven't already. Put it up somewhere where you can see it and use this as the mark that you're working toward. This is, this is the litmus test, if you will, if you know what that means. Um, I don't. I just say words. Um, use, use this as the standard. Again, we're not perfect, but this is, this, is what we're, this is what we're striving toward. This is the love that we're striving toward. And whenever we're loving this way, you see, a lot of times in student ministry, uh, we, we student ministers have to have, give talks about how guys and girls should treat each other and how relationships should go and all that kind of stuff. But if you're living a life that lines up with this passage, all of that stuff isn't a big deal. If you're, if you're living a life that's loving everyone this way, when you're in a dating relationship, you're not insisting on your own way and you're not... Um, being irritable, you're not trying to seek what you want, what you desire, you're putting the other person's needs in front of yours, then all of those, um, all of the impurity issues, all of that kind of stuff is really not an issue at all. This is the key to it all right here. Are we loving the way that we're called to love Christians? Are you actually trying your best? Again, we're not perfect. Are you trying your best to love people the way Paul says we should be loving people? Are you pointing people to Jesus? Because that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate call right there. We're loving people in this way that points them 
to Jesus. Some in the room uh, aren't Christians. That's okay. We were all there at some point. So what I want you to know, though, is that Jesus, and those of us who do follow Jesus, though we don't always act this, we don't always act this way, we want you to know that regardless of what you've done, where you've been, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He died for me so that we could be brought into relationship, all relationship with him. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in him, asking for, for forgiveness of those sins that we've committed, and we're brought into a right relationship with him to try our best to, to be able to live and love the world the way we're called to love. You see, you can't love like this until you're filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit that continually teaches us and moves us toward this kind of love. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no possible way to even get close to living this way. So if you're, if you're in that place, if you, you don't believe in Jesus, but you maybe have some questions or, or you think, man, now, now's the time. I, I need to do this. I need, I need to give my life to him. Talk to me. Talk to an adult leader in the room. Talk to a Christian friend. Whatever it is you need to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into small groups. Father, I, I thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you that your word cuts to the core. That it reveals uh, who you are and who you've, you've called us to be. Help us, though we are imperfect, to love, try our best to love the way that you love us without end. That we would see those around us not as weird people or people who annoy us or any of that kind of stuff, but as people who need you and need to be in relationship with you to experience your love. Help us to be able to love those around us the way we've been called to love them. Jesus, I pray. Amen. There are a few leaders out sick, so if you get into your group and you don't